You want to know how to be a better marketer? Just ask. Ask who? Ask your customers. Ask the market. Find out what people actually want. Find out what their challenges are. Find out what their problems are. In this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I visit with Ryan Levesque. He is the CEO of the Ask Method Company, and he wrote a great book called Ask, and we break down the simple three-step process to get in the right market, to make the right play, to understand exactly how to message your marketing. Check it out. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Ahrefs, the SEO tool set that I use every single day. And listen in to this episode because I'm going to tell you how you can win a full year subscription over $2,000 value on this amazing tool. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jance and my guest today is Ryan Levesque. He is the CEO of the Ask Method Company and author of the number one best-selling book, Ask. So Ryan, thanks for joining us. John, it is a pleasure to be here. I'm really excited. Well, so let's just start with breaking down the ask method. You've certainly made a lot of ripples online. There's lots of information about this online. It's obviously thoroughly outlined in the book, but uh, let's give it the uh, kind of the baseline so we can then break down each part and, and then how to apply it. Awesome. So the ask method in a nutshell, it's a marketing methodology to better understand your audience, to better understand your customers, to better understand the market that you serve, and then specifically uncover the different buckets that exist in that market or sub-segments. And really there are three phases to the process at the highest level. And the phases are discover, which is where you learn about your audience, segment, which is where you put your audience into different buckets, and launch, which is where you launch your funnel or your product or the business that's going to serve those different groups of people. Yeah, and I, I think this is, maybe you would agree with this because you created this process, but this has become even more important, don't you think, in today's kind of mass blasting? No, absolutely, John. You know, it's um, it's a classic example. If you've, if you've um, it's, it's not an example that I'll be the first to point out, but we live in a world today you know, that's very different than it was even just a few dozen years ago. For example, you go to the grocery store and there was a time not too long ago that most of us remember growing up as kids where there was two kinds of spaghetti sauce. Mm. There's prego and ragu. Now, if your wife sends you to the grocery store to get spaghetti sauce, I don't know if your life is anything like mine, but there is so much opportunity to make that decision incorrectly. There are literally like a thousand kinds of spaghetti sauce at the grocery store today. And it just underscores this very specific example that we live in a world where people are used to getting exactly what it is that they want. Not some generic solution, but the thing that serves their exact needs in their exact situation. You've just derailed the entire show because now I have to get up on my soapbox about yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, that's even worse. Oh, it's, I know exactly the kind and the flavor and the brand I'm looking for, and it still takes me ten minutes to find it. <laughs> it's so true. It's so bad. All right, so does this? Well, let's let's before I ask you this question, let's break this down a little bit. Then, sure. so what sure. does discovery look like? What does segment look like? What does launch look like? Then, totally. So, discovery the the cornerstone of the discovery process is doing something that we call in my world uh, a deep dive survey. 
This is a survey where you are asking a very specific set of questions with open-ended questions. And the reason for this is you want your audience to pour their heart out to you in their own language, what it is that they're struggling with, their pain points, what it is that they want in the market that you're looking to serve. And then with that information, what you do is you identify what we call hyper-responsives. So in every market, we talk about yogurt, we talk about spaghetti sauce, there are going to be people who are disproportionately more passionate about that product, service, or subject than everyone else. And a big mistake that people make when they're doing surveys in their marketing is they focus on FAQs, the most frequently asked questions. And there's something that I teach that we call the myth of the FAQ, and it goes like this. Depth of response is actually more important than frequency of response. Hmm. So what that means is you want to pay attention to the minority of people in Pareto's principle, the top 20%, who give you the longest, most detailed, most passionate answers, and all of your marketing the products that you create should all be designed to serve that group of people and ignore everybody else. So in a nutshell, that's what Discover is all about. It's going through that process to understand the language and who your hyper-responsives are in the market that you're looking to serve. All right. So, so let me drill a little deeper there. If, if I, okay, I get that. And I've, you know, maybe I can write my uh, deep dive survey in a way to get some of these answers. If I don't have a lot of customers yet today? I mean, who am I surveying? It's a great question. So there's two processes that, um, two, two, there's a fork in the road when you're in the Discover set. Um, and the, the fork in the road is whether or not you have an existing audience that you already serve or if you're looking to get into a new market that maybe you don't have a business in and you want to maybe test out and see if it's something that's mm. worth pursuing. So if you already have a market um, and an audience in that market, you're going to pursue what we call the classic deep dive survey, which most typically is reaching out to your existing audience of people and running a survey to them, analyzing the results, and then moving on to the next step segment. If you don't have an existing audience, you're going to do what we call the lean deep dive survey approach. Now, the lean deep dive survey approach is instead of trying to get hundreds of survey responses from your existing audience, you're going to be focusing on having about a dozen or so one-on-one -on -one interactions with people in the market you're looking to serve. And the way you find these people is by identifying different groups, communities, forums that exist online that represent the target market that you're looking to go after. So, for example, if you're looking to help moms lose weight after they recently had a baby, then you'd be looking for mom groups online, right? Forums, Facebook groups, online communities where you can reach out and have conversations online um, with your target market. So would you is this process something that you would say, gosh, every business new, been in business, doesn't matter what industry should do? I would one I would not only agree with that, I would also say that I've, you know, as someone who's used this process, I've gone into 23 different markets successfully using this process. And the only time I have failed in business has been when I thought I was smarter than the process. Like I thought, oh, you know what? I've had all this success under my belt. I don't need to do this. I've got good intuition. I've got a good gut feel. I'm going to skip this part of the process and dive right in. Every time that I've done that, I've failed. Every time that I've followed this process, it's helped. I've succeeded. And the reason for it, John, is because you're using this process as a litmus test of whether or not you should pursue a project. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Let's say you had two ideas that you're thinking about. Right? Maybe one is helping moms lose weight after the birth of their child, and another one is helping, gosh, um, 
um, uh, completely different markets, um, uh, you know, uh, creating a better uh, iPhone case to withstand, you know, I've got young kids, um, kids who throw the phone on the ground right, to withstand that damage. Okay, you've got two radically different ideas, and you want to see which one is worth pursuing. Well, say you go, you go through this process. You start getting feedback from the marketplace. And in one market, it's called the iPhone market, it's like trying to get blood out of a stone to get someone to respond to you. Like, no one is answering your survey. No one gives a crap about what you're doing. You can't get anybody to reply. But then in the mom group, let's imagine it's the complete opposite. You have an outpouring of emotion. Mom's reaching out to you saying, oh, my goodness, I've been waiting for someone to help me with this exact problem. Where have you been? Of course I'll get on the phone with you. Of course I'll answer your survey. Tell me, what can I do to help? Mm. It gives you a sense for which project is most likely to succeed, hmm. which is the underserved market, the one that's hungry, that there's an unmet need. And so you can use this process to kill the iPhone project and pursue the helping moms lose weight project with confidence, knowing that there's unmet need and demand in that market. I've um, written a lot of surveys myself over, over the years, and, and it's not easy. Um, it, it's sort of an art form to write a good survey, and, and that's just half the battle. Um, analysis of the responses is another art form. How, how do you suggest that somebody who maybe hasn't done much of this but now wants to pursue this you know, kind of overcome that hurdle? I'll, I'll help you. I'll, I'll answer that question by helping people overcome a few common mistakes. Um, so the biggest mistake that I see people make, and one of the biggest objections to this entire process is, but wait a second. Henry Ford said, if I had asked people what they wanted, they would have told me faster horses. Right. And they say, well, Steve Jobs is famous for saying people don't know what they want until you show it to them. So to help come up with your questions, this is the rule of thumb, the thing that you want to remember. There's only two types of information that people can give you an accurate answer to in the form of a survey or really in any form of an interview. And the first one is this. People don't know what they want, but they know what they don't want. Mm -hmm. yes. And you think about it in your life, right? If, if you're a business owner and you're lis listening to this right now, oftentimes when we hire someone on our team, it's difficult to know exactly what it is that we're looking for, Right. But if you can think back in your career, John, if you've ever had to fire anybody, whether it's been an employee, a contractor, anybody that you worked with over the years, when you hired that person's replacement, <laughs> what went through your head? I don't want her to be like this. I don't want him to be like that. Yeah. Definitely can't be like this. It becomes really easy, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the questions that you want to ask are around things like, when you've used other solutions in the past, what's been most challenging? Mm -hmm. When it comes to achieving this objective that you have, what's your biggest struggle or frustration right now? Things like that. Yeah. The second type of information that people are really good at answering is past behavior. People don't know what they want for dinner tomorrow. I mean, if you ask your wife or you know a friend, hey, where should we go for dinner? It's that, I don't know, what do you feel like? But if I said, hey, John, what did you have for lunch today? We're really good at being able to answer what we've done in the past, past behavior. So as you're thinking about questions that you want to ask your audience, that's going to give you accurate information. Past behavior. So what products have you used that, you, that you've tried and haven't liked, right? How much money did you spend in the last 30 days on XYZ solution? Um, things like that. Or what you don't want. Frustration, struggle, challenge. Okay, so let's jump to the second half. That makes total sense. Um, so I get all these answers. Is there 
uh, do you have sort of the same rule of thumb for how I would analyze these answers? I mean, I'm envisioning answers all over the board, maybe themes that keep reoccurring. Uh, how do you kind of put that into usefulness? Exactly. So imagine, let's fast forward for a moment, and whether you do a dozen or so one-on-one interactions or you get a few hundred survey responses, what you now want to do is start looking at the open-ended answers, and you actually want to start analyzing them for themes. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever I introduce this step of the process, inevitably there's an objection. People say, can I just outsource this? Mm-hmm. Or is there some like AI technology that I can just you know, have do this for me and spit out what the themes are? And the answer is, of course you can outsource it, and there may be an AI technology, but I'll say this. Even as a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, this is some of the most high value work that you can do because you're going to see and hear and read in your customers own words how they describe their problems how they describe their frustrations how they describe their fears what's going on in their life and what happens when you start reading these is i like to get to this point john where i say you've changed as a human being where you walk away having gone through this experience and you say i get it now like i've been saying this in my marketing, I've been using these words, which came in my head. And in the reality, my customers, my market, they're saying this instead. So what you do is you go through the open-ended responses at a high level and you start in a spreadsheet or a document, however you like to work, you start documenting the different themes that you see emerge. Oh, this person said this. And then you start kind of organizing those themes and you want to get to a point, the rule of thumb, is you want to identify the top three to five buckets that exist in your market, so the themes that you see, the top three to five, which ideally cover 80% of your market. Now, the reason why I say 80% and not 100% is whenever you do one of these surveys, you're always going to get some outliers, right? You're always going to get people who say, um, what's your favorite kind of spaghetti sauce? You're going to get three to five themes, and then you're going to get a few crazy people who say, um, I don't like spaghetti sauce. I like you know, ketchup and Tabasco sauce, right? Yeah. Uh, or I don't like spaghetti sauce. Um, I'm allergic to tomatoes. Um, but the vast majority are going to fall within three to five buckets. That's where you kind of want to land. And then that helps you identify the different groups of people that likely have different needs, wants, and desires, and who can benefit from different messaging in your marketing. Yeah, now, a big, a big mistake that people make here, Donna, and I'll wrap on this point, um, is, is people say this and they say, three to five buckets, really? My market's like 17 buckets. Mm. Can I do 17? <laughs> <laughs> and the challenge with that is when you do that, it becomes such a big project that it's an albatross. Yeah. In theory, it's a great idea, but when you get to the actual practical work around it, it's so much work that you end up sticking with your one-size-fits-all messaging and never get it off the ground. You know, it's funny. I've used for a lot of years now that uh, reviews have become so important. Uh, the, that unsolicited review on Google+, Plus, you find a company that's got 30 or 40 of those, I guarantee you you can find themes <laughs> that are probably the things that their clients appreciate you know, more than the messaging they're using. Totally. I'll tell you, listen, if you are a service professional, so if you do any sort of service work or your local area business, spend some time on review sites for your competitors. So if you're a restaurant, go on Yelp, look at your restaurant's um, reviews. If you sell a product, you do the same thing, but you do it on Amazon. So you look at products in your category and you'll see what customers of that product are saying and you'll be able to do the same thing that we're talking about here. Yep. You'll be able to identify the themes that emerge among those customers. And the things they don't like. Exactly. Totally. <laughs> because they'll be telling you those too. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
Hey, I wanted to remind you, this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Ahrefs, and I'm giving away a full year subscription to this awesome tool that helps you grow your search traffic, research your competitors, and monitor your niche. I use this tool every single day. One of my favorite ways to use it is to learn why competitors are ranking so high and what I need to do to outrank them. There's so many great backlink tools, search tools, keyword research tools, rank tracking, all built into this tool. And that's why I love it so much. If you want to enter to win a full year of this tool, that's like $2,000 value. Go to Duct Tape Marketing Podcast and find this episode. If you're listening to this, if you're on the page, it's uh, the links are down below, uh, but you're going to subscribe to the podcast. You are going to maybe uh, do a little tweak to get some extra bonus entries. And in a couple weeks, we will pick a winner and we'll let you know if you want a full year. So go check it out. So has your method evolved based on what you've learned? You know, it evolves every single year. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing this now for a little over a decade. I started in this business in 2007. And like I said, I've gone into 23 different markets myself. This is me personally. And in that process have evolved every single time. You know, so the work that I did in the first market I went into is kind of like, you know, crayons on the uh, the pavement of the driveway. Um, and I've reached a point now where it'll never be perfect, but I've optimized it to a point where um, there's simplicity on the far side of complexity, right? So things like the identifying hyper-responsives, identifying the top three to five buckets and not 17, um, certain metrics that you want to be looking for in terms of length of response in certain markets to help you identify, is this a market that's passionate enough to pursue? All of that comes from, you know, Basically, this is where I've put my 10, 20, 30,000 hours of my life. And now I've been fortunate enough to teach this methodology to literally thousands of entrepreneurs around the world. And that's expanded you know, my testing laboratory exponentially because you see what works in all these different markets. So we've been talking about messaging, but have you been able to kind of reverse engineer this process to help somebody identify really the, the characteristics, behaviors, psychographics, you know, of what their ideal client should be? It, it totally helps you do this. And I'll give you a very practical way that you can do this. So number one, if you have customers right now, okay, what you want to do is segment your absolute best customers, the ones that you love working with. Maybe these are the people who have been with you for years. Maybe they are repeat buyers. Identify that specific group of people. Mm -hmm. Then identify people who have bought from you once and never bought again. Right. So they had one transaction with you. And for whatever reason, after that transaction, they've never done business with you ever again. And then identify the people that are in your audience on your email list, uh, on your you know, your Facebook fans, whatever, who have never bought from you ever run the same survey to each of those three different groups of people. You will be astonished by the differences in language that they use to describe you, to describe their problems, to describe their life, their situation. And basically what you want to do then is use that intelligence to say, all right, I want more people. It's, 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 it's a double down strategy. You want to double down on the group of people who are already resonating with mm -hmm. you and your business. Mm -hmm. So you want to find more people like the guys and girls who are buying every single thing that you sell. And this is a way to identify what makes that group of people different from the rest of the world. 
So we've been talking about the, the steps in the process. Do you have uh, maybe a case study or an example you want to kind of draw from that, hey, here's this company that did X, Y, Z, and here's what the result was? Yeah. So uh, there's so many. Um, I could take, you know, there are literally dozens of case studies. Give me a direction, John, that would be probably the most useful case study, B2C, B2B, um, yeah, what would be I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with B2B professional services. So somebody who's maybe wants to put themselves out there as kind of an expert thought leader and, you know, maybe they're going to attract consulting clients or coaching clients. Great. Okay. So okay, so the one that comes to mind right now is one that was recently in the news, just to give you a sense. So this was a tiny little startup company um, that provided basically assistance to business owners. So professionals provide assistance to business owners who are looking for access to business funding, right? So anyone on this call right now, if you've ever, you know, had to seek out, um, a, you know, business funding from your bank, from a third party provider, you needed it to grow, to finance equipment, to finance your business. Um, this is a small little company, startup company that was looking to do this. Going through this process, they identified the different buckets of people um, and how to serve those people differently, created different funding products. So they took this kind of this service to productizing their service, right? So creating a package, if you will, mm -hmm. that specifically served the needs of each of these different groups of people. Um, and then uh, within a few short years, took that startup business to a company that's uh, now known as Swift Financial that was just acquired by PayPal for tens of millions of dollars. And this is a company that literally started in a tiny little office, just a few guys trying to figure it out and make ends meet. Um, and the story has a happy ending with a big, big fat acquisition for tens of millions of dollars. That's a, uh... I think everybody will like that story. So thank you. <laughs> we all want, we all want that That's pot right. of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? That's right. So, so Ryan, where can people find out more about the ask method? And, and again, I'm not sure. Are you, are you, I know there is a program that you uh, have around the book, but are you also doing uh, private consulting? We do. So <laughs> the best way to learn more, to go deeper in what we talked about would be to go to askmethod.com. There, you'll have two options. Number one, you can get a free copy of the physical book that John mentioned, Ask. It was a number one national bestseller. It's sold over 100,000 copies. It's published in a dozen different languages. Um, you get a free copy of the book. Just pay small shipping and handling. Or, and, uh, you can also get a free Ask Method Blueprint, which talks about the process. If you're the type of person that likes to see mind maps and flowcharts, it's going to walk through the entire process at a 30,000-foot level. Mm -hmm. um, that's 100% free, and you can download it there. Um, and then from there, yeah, we have, um, you know, programs, uh, online training programs. We have uh, coaching and consulting programs. We even have a certification program to certify people in the methodology to do this for other businesses. But awesome. that's the best place to start. Awesome. Um, and you and I are going to, of course, uh, October 17th. So depending upon when you're listening to this, uh, we're, we're going to be out at Entreport speaking at the same conference. So that'll be fun. I'm super excited. And, uh, and that'll be the first time that you and I meet in person, right. which I'm equally excited about and looking forward to. Yeah, me as well. And plus, you know, Santa Barbara is an awesome place to hang out. Totally. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. And again, I will certainly uh, see you out there on the road soon. Awesome. John, thanks so much for the opportunity. It's been a pleasure and a lot of fun. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you leave an honest review on iTunes? Your ratings and reviews really help, and I promise I read each and every one. Thanks. Thanks.